0: This is the Nordic Asia podcast.
1: I'm thrilled today to be introducing Duncan McCargo, who was a member of our Weatherhead East Asian Institute for many years, teaching here in alternate semesters. He is now the director of the Nordic Institute of Asian Studies in Copenhagen. Duncan is a political scientist, but also tries to write for non-political scientists. Mm -hmm. And he's written a great deal on all of Southeast Asia, but in particular, he's the leading specialist, I believe in the world on Thai politics. He's written a great deal on Thailand. He's the originator of an important kind of dominant concept in the Thai political studies field called the network monarchy. He has in recent years, published three very important books about Thailand. The first is called Tearing Apart the Land, which is a very uh, revealing and important and wonderful deep study of the insurgency in Southern Thailand and the counterinsurgency in Southern Thailand based on fieldwork that he undertook there for a long time and with some risk To himself, which won the Bernard Schwartz Prize of the Asia Society in New York. And then just recently, within the last half year or so, he published a book called Fighting for Virtue, which is about the Thai justice system and injustice system. And now he's just come out with a really wonderful monograph called Future Forward The Rise and Fall of a Thai Political Party, which is about a political party. In Thailand, called Future Forward, that's just been banned recently. And this book is so timely because I'm sure all of you have been reading in the New York Times and elsewhere that there's been a long sort of youth demonstration against the Thai regime, which installed itself through a military coup and daring as well, this youth demonstration to touch the sensitive subject of the monarchy. And the future forward party kind of represents that generation that's carrying out these demonstrations. The relationship between it and the youth generation is something for Duncan to talk about and not me. But the point is that his book on this party gives us such necessary background into what's happening now in Thailand and gives us insight into what may happen in the future book, which I advise everybody to get a hold of. It's very fascinating and well-written
0: okay thanks thanks so much andy for that very warm introduction it's a great pleasure to be sort of back at columbia and weatherhead i guess none of us is physically at columbia or weatherhead today i am still affiliated i'd like to stress with the Weatherhead station institute but yes sadly i've not been teaching at columbia this past year because i made this move to copenhagen so it's great to have a chance to talk about this book I should add that the book was written with Anyarat Chaturakun, who is a colleague of mine. She's an affiliated researcher at the Nordic Institute of Asian Studies, did her PhD with me quite a few years ago, working on election campaigning in Thailand. So this was a collaborative project but as uh, you'll all be aware, there's been this lockdown situation prevailing across most of the world over the past few months. And we wrote this book basically in 12 weeks after the Danish Prime Minister declared a lockdown on the 12th of March. And I haven't actually met Anirat for more than two years. Uh, we managed to, to write a book together without meeting and also to write a book about Thailand without going there. And the whole thing was a kind of crazy adventure. But we'd already got the idea of writing the book before Future Forward was banned which took place on my birthday on the 21st of february this year and before the lockdown took place and then our, pro- our challenge was how to make this happen so what's this book really all about and by the way it's, it's published by nears press and you can find information about the book on their website and you can buy an ebook right away you don't have to give any money to the richest man in america you can give it straight to us online from the nearest press website What's happening with this book? Well, as Andy said, I have been trying to reach out to different kinds of audiences in recent years, and I've done a lot of academic work of various kinds. And I wanted to use the academic research that that I'd done and that Anurad had done uh, to form a basis for a book that would nevertheless not wear that research too heavily. So all the notes are buried in the back of the book. You can read it without having your eyesight disrupted by bracketed numbers and dates or little footnote numbers and things at the bottom of the page and so on. If you do get round to turning to the end notes in the back of the book, you'll find most of them are to social media and particularly to YouTube. YouTube became our research site. Anirat and I have been doing kind of digital ethnography. So I would had the chance to talk to Tanaton, the leader of the Future Forward Party, who you see on the cover, and a couple of the other leaders and some other people in the party. I'd interviewed them on a number of occasions and also was observing them during the election campaign, went to the party headquarters and did all that kind of standard qualitative political ethnographic research of the kind that I like to do. But that was all in 2018 and 2019, not while doing this book. So why do we decide in the first place that we need to write a book about the future forward party? I guess long and short of that is that this is the most exciting thing to happen in Thai politics in recent years. There was a military coup in Thailand in 2014. People like me who hoped that Thailand would move in a somewhat more open and progressive direction were rather frustrated by the second military coup in eight years, there was another one in 2006. And the first force that really emerged to articulate an alternative discourse about how Thailand should be after the coup in 2014 was this new Future Forward Party that was launched in 2018. So we tried to capture this phenomenon, it became an extraordinary two-year business because the party came from nowhere, early in 2018, it won 81 seats and became the third largest party in Parliament in the election that was held in March of last year, and then by February of this year, it was gone. We tried to capture that, not just because of the Future Forward party and its leaders and so on themselves, but because we felt like tapping into what was going on with Future Forward was in some way to address the sort of zeitgeist of what was changing on what was possible in Thailand's otherwise rather depressing politics of recent years.
1: Well, tell us about this guy who's on your cover. Where, Where did he come from?
0: Yeah, Tanaton. So Tanaton is the guy, you know, as far as the Future Forward Party is concerned. It's a little bit more complicated than that, because as we explore in the book, we ended up with three leaders. There's Tanaton, who's the party leader, Pia and then Banika, the party spokeswoman. So these three figures really epitomize the party. Tanaton's a a complicated character in various ways, rather like the controversial former Prime Minister Thaksin Shinawat, who reshaped Thailand's politics in the first few years of the 21st century. Tanatorn's a billionaire businessman, comes from an extremely wealthy family, and his father sadly died just around the time he was graduating from university. And Tanatorn took over the family business and expanded it dramatically. They make auto parts. They have factories all over the place, including in the US and Australia. So for a certain kind of tie, he epitomizes this extremely successful narrative of the business person, who knows how to make money and knows how to make things work. But the other side of Thanaton is that, you know, he's a sort of leftist business person on another level. He spent most of his undergraduate student days as a university activist. He was president of the Students' Union and vice president of the National Students' Federation in Thailand. He was at the forefront of lots of protests, siding with farmers. He was really opposing capitalism and opposing people like him. So he emerges from this contradiction of being a guy whose family has a lot of money and who's personally made a lot of money for his family business, but is also motivated and animated by this idealism. He's also a kind of action man. He does these extreme sports, trying to hike to the Antarctic and things like this. He's a guy who's always pushing himself to his physical and mental limits. And this is an image that was very, very appealing to a lot of people. So that's a kind of paradox about the Future Forward Party. It's a party that's fighting against the personalism and dysfunctionality of Thai politics, but it seems to be fighting against the personalism and dysfunctionality by advocating another sort of personality focus in the form of the cult of Tanatorn himself and the cult of his two fellow leaders, which becomes more and more pronounced as
1: the two-year period goes on. So you said he's a bit leftist, a bit Mm. idealist. For us, that kind of computes to, I suppose, issues like the $15 minimum wage and stuff, you know, in in the Mm -hmm. United States. And I know that Toxin's sort of progressive position had to do with support for the rural ties, but putting some meat on the bones of this person's leftist idealism? What were his main planks of his platform? Or was it really just personalism about I'm a glamorous person, vote for me?
0: Right. He always said that it was not about him. And when I talked to him about, you know, the fact that he had a kind of cult following and fandom, and as you see in that picture with these people swooning around him and taking his photograph and getting his autograph and all this stuff, he is very ambivalent and and rather disdainful about that stuff. He was uncomfortable with it in many ways. If you really look at what the ideas were that were articulated most explicitly during the election campaign by the Future Forward Party, to a large extent, it's what the party is against. The party was the, the party that most explicitly criticized military rule. Criticized the 2014 coup, said that the army had too much power, that the defense budget needed to be cut, that the system of conscription was an abuse and should be corrected and changed. Other themes that come through if you really go through the details of their manifesto, there's a lot of stuff about decentralization, about moving power out of Bangkok and to the provinces, giving people more control over their own affairs. And some talk about a welfare state. But not that much talk about progressive taxation and minimum wages, interestingly. Not so many specifics of that kind in the, in the economic policy.
1: So the struggle of the military against taxing was this sort of red-yellow, right, struggle had to do with an urban-rural split, as I understand it. Is this a different split that's now taking place? Or not now, but I mean, well, yes, now, but did the future forward party kind of create or come to influence over a different axis of division? Or was it a repetition of the same one?
0: That's a really, really good question. Well, you've seen the book, you'll see the cover is orange. This is the future forward color. And of course, it doesn't take a great deal of reflection to realize that orange is either in between yellow and red, or it's a blending of yellow and red. There's a very deliberate attempt by Talaton and the future forward leadership to position themselves in a way that they could appeal both to people on the yellow side and to people on the red side. So their story was very much about, this is the old politics. Thailand has been suffering from this incredible and very disruptive and unpleasant polarization that really began in late 2005 with the very first yellow shirt protests and continued you know, explicitly until the 2014 coup, that sort of divide has continued to be there the whole time. So you've had 14 years of red yellow polarization and. What Tanatorn and Future Forward said was, we're gonna move beyond this. We actually don't want to get caught up in that old story. We'd like to move forward, because the forward is now the name of the new party that was formed after Future Forward was banned. It's all very, very future oriented. So the idea is let's get beyond these divisions. Now, if you really come to analyze it, there's a sense in which a lot of the ideas that Tanatorn represent have some similarities With pro-Taxin parties, in the sense that they were opposed, also opposed to the military. The pro-Taxin parties obviously were the biggest losers from those military coups in 2006 and 2014 that removed them from power. But Tanaton was also very careful to say that he understood why people had been unhappy with Taxin, and that some of the ideas and values that Taxin represented weren't attractive to people. They were disengaged from the concerns of ordinary people. There were issues about corruption and so forth. So. The Future Forward Party acknowledged those problems and tried to reach out to people who had been, especially in the 2013-14 period before the coup in this anti-Taxan, anti-Yingland government movement, and said, we understand where you came from and why you are frustrated and we don't want to go to that politics. We want to go forward to something else. So that was all part of their very careful positioning. Of course, they were for that severely criticized by people on the pro-taxist side, the core red shirt people for whom they had sold out and were not really genuinely progressive. And of course, from people on the conservative yellow side who said, you're just faking it and pretending that you have something in common with us, but really you're just red people in disguise. So that's the problem with occupying that kind of center ground in a situation where everything became polarized. But the fact that they got 6.3 million people voting for them does testify to the fact that there was significant receptiveness to that kind of message. The urban-rural was part of it. I mean, it's not straightforwardly urban and rural. Surprise, surprise. It's more nuanced and complicated than that. And also regional. You know, Takson and his parties had very strong support in the north and northeast, whereas the conservative side had much stronger support in the upper south and in Bangkok. Those divisions still exist. They haven't gone away. But what Future Forward brought out, I think, was first a possibility of some middle ground, but also what we'll talk about, I'm sure, before too long, generational divide. Because if we want to see a new cleavage, a new mode of polarization, it's the idea of generational divide, which the Future Forward Party has very much brought to the fore.
1: Tell us who supports this movement and what you call blurred lines. What do you mean by that? Yeah.
0: So, Well, this is a picture I actually took at Tamasart University just before Tanatom was going to go on stage for a live TV debate, which was a week before the election was actually held last year. You know, a lot of people have said that Tanatol looks radiant. The whiteness of his shirt seems to be unreal. It does in some way capture the sort of magnetic attraction that he seemed to have for certain kinds of people. So I heard that he was going to be meeting some of his fans before this public event. And his staff told me roughly where he was going to be. And I found him literally emerging from the bushes pursued by these eager people who were desperate to take pictures for selfies with him and get his autograph. Uh, he was barely able to get to the stage for the public event because he was was more or less mobbed by these people. And when we, Andrew and I started to dig into who these people were in more detail, we discovered there's a lot of crossover between K-pop, you know, Korean boy bands, and the followers of Tanaton and the Future Forward party. So some of the very same Twitter influences who were mobilizing people for Future Forward were actually the people who maintained fan pages for K-pop boy bands, which are absolutely huge in Thailand. So there's a strange (laughs) overlap between these two worlds, which again, Teleton is, is very embarrassed about. And of course the idea of followers is a very interesting idea because we have you know, classic political understanding of followers and people who support political parties. But of course, in the world of social media, which is incredibly important in bringing future forward to greater levels of popularity, the idea of a follower, somebody who follows somebody on Facebook or follows somebody on Twitter or through some other social media platform is a very salient one. I wish we had really good voting data in Thailand. And we could tell whether people of particular age groups were really those who voted for Future Forward. But unfortunately, there are no exit polls conducted to any kind of serious international or even domestic standard in Thailand. We have very limited information. We have some retrospective polling that was done by some people, which suggests that a a very high proportion of the first-time voters under 25 did vote for Future Forward, but we can't absolutely prove that. And there weren't enough full-time voters to get to 6.3 million. What was also very interesting, and did some great research on this interviewing families, was that a lot of these young people persuaded their parents and even their grandparents to vote for Future Forward as well. And some of the people who persuaded their parents were not themselves of voting age, Whereas in the past, older people would be telling the younger people in the family who to vote for. We saw a reversal of that phenomenon with Future 4, which is all part of this interesting generational contestation and upending that's taking place.
1: So is this chiefly urban young people or does it cross over the urban, rural and regional divides that you have talked about?
0: This was the thing that was very interesting. We were kind of assuming, isn't this sort of a Bangkok urban middle-class phenomenon? But if you look at the distribution of Future Forward's votes, I mean, the reason why they got 50 party list MPs was because people were voting for them all over the country. And you have to have voters in every district and every province in order to reach that level of support. So the other interesting thing is we had two research assistants for our project, one of whom was from a fairly upper middle class Bangkok family, another one of whom was from an extremely ordinary family of farmers in the Northeast. And you'd have expected some kind of significant difference of political attitude or understanding between these two. But it turned out that both of our research assistants saw completely eye to eye on almost everything about the politics of Future Forward and viewed what was going on in the country in almost exactly the same way. I think this is really, really interesting that the generational divide and the generational affinity for this kind of politics crosses over what would previously have been class and regional divides. I remember taking some of my Bangkok students to the northeast in the 1990s, and they could barely have a conversation with local people. They seem to be from another planet. But this is not true with this young generation. They're communicating on very, very equal terms through social media. And politically, they're on exactly the same page.
1: Let me ask you a three-part question. So the current government is actually not a military government, right? Because Chan Ocha stepped out of the military to be a civilian. Am I right or wrong about this in order to be prime minister? But in any case, they have a political party and Toxin had a political party. And this is a third political party. And I would imagine, and I'm not a Thai specialist, obviously, that The older parties have local organizations or clientelistic networks, or they have some organizational form through Mm -hmm. which they mobilize their voters. But what about when you're just a new party based in youth? It must be very difficult to have party branches all over the country. So how does it work?
0: Well, I mean, the present government and Prayut chan are a little bit complicated stories because Prayut stopped being army commander in 2014 or so, you know, soon after the military coup. So he's been technically a civilian most of the time that he was heading a military hunter, just to confuse things, although it's still always referred to as general in the Thai context. But yes, it's absolutely the case that the military formed this party, the palang party, which then became... The second largest party in parliament for this election so if we go back to previous elections and the last properly conducted and completed previous election was in 2011 you saw a pattern which which was pretty much the same in 2001 2005 2007 and 2011 two parties were fighting it out one was the democrat party which was the party of the if you like the more conservative older elite and the bureaucracy and the other was under different names, a pro-Taxan party with its base of support in the North and Northeast. What happened in this election was that these two parties, which thought of themselves as being the main rivals, were outflanked on either side. The military formed their own party, Palang Basharat, this new party. And a lot of people said, well, why would we bother voting for the Democrat party? We will just go and vote for this pro-military party if we want to have Pryut as prime minister. And that's what they did. So the Democrat party lost dramatically in the election. And then the pro-Taxan parties, which had assumed that they could really triumph in any electoral system because they were so popular and they would be number one and they would be in a very, very strong position to create a government coalition. I mean, they're still the biggest party, but only just. And a lot of their support seeped out to future forward. So you ended up with the two new parties at opposite ends of the spectrum, the sort of ultra-conservative Flamish party and the very progressive future forward party turned out to be much more dynamic and much more interesting than their predecessor parties occupying broadly similar in some ways ground. And this came as a massive surprise to pro the Protaxan party who have not been at all delighted to see themselves upstaged and outperformed in many ways by this upstart party, bearing in mind that none of the people in the Future Forward party had ever been an MP before. None of them have been in parliament. None of them had the slightest idea how to conduct themselves. I mean, they were just ab initio day one just walking in okay what are we going to do here many of them were only in their 30s or even younger so this was a massive shock to the system both for the existing parliamentarians and for future forward themselves i mean they drew up this party list of people but people who were number 50 on the future forward party list never imagined they were going to Parliament, not in their wildest dreams. It was only the people in the top 10 or 15 who thought they had a decent chance of being elected. So you ended up with all these people who never expected to be MPs at all, suddenly finding themselves in Parliament. How did it happen? You know, they didn't, I mean, Anurat's PhD was all about how you win a normal election in Thailand, which is about having these networks of local vote canvassers who know all the village headmen and the teachers and the monks and the influential characters and go around dishing out money and favours and calling in assistance from whoever can help. And, you know, Future Forward said from the beginning, we're not going to have these vote canvassers. We're not going to use this system. You'll vote for us because you like us. They essentially campaigned on a national platform based on the image of the party leadership and these ideas of we stand against the military and for democracy and for a different set of values. And that's how they won most of the seats that they won, not on the basis of their local candidates. And we talked to a lot of people who said, we voted for Future Forward despite the completely useless local candidate. You know, we weren't interested in their local candidate at all. We just like the national platform of the party and the the image of Tana and the leadership. So this, this is one of the ideas we explored in the book. And it was sort of my starting point when I thought about writing a book There's a a book that came out last year by a guy called Paolo Giobardo talking about the digital party. And he argues that there are all these new kinds of parties that have emerged in Europe, various kinds, like the Five Star Party or these pirate parties that we have here in the Nordic region that are kind of anti-parties, but that became very successful as a result of what he calls the hyper-leaders, And then their digital operations and their ability to reach out to voters through social media so they didn't need a conventional party structure and to some extent future forward was like that of course when i asked tanaton if they were a digital party he was quite unhappy with the idea saying that no we have lots of people on the ground there are real people you know our party is grounded in reality they did open branches in every single province in Thailand staffed by just one person so they had a skeleton party structure but it has to be said their party structure compared to Purtai or the democrat party was very minimal and yet they managed to do incredibly well and indeed better than the democrat party which is very proud of its long-standing network of branches all over the country. So it did suggest that you can organize your party in a very different way, but it can't be entirely digital.
1: So how did they uh, get banned? What did they do to get banned? Yeah, so from
0: the get-go, you can imagine this party that kept challenging the military and saying very, very assertive things about the way the country was run and also criticizing large business companies in Thailand, which they accused of having monopolistic concessions and practices you can imagine that there are quite a lot of powerful people who were quite eager to see the back of Future Forward. So they very quickly had a whole series of charges leveled against them on different grounds, um, both the party leaders and the party itself. And of course, Thailand has this interesting system whereby if political parties are deemed to be in violation of certain election and other laws, the election commission can recommend not just that they be punished, or that individuals in the party should face some kind of disciplinary action or that they be fined or something like that. But the Election Commission can actually propose to the Constitutional Court that the party should be banned. And Future Forward is, in fact, the ninth party to be banned in Thailand since 2006. So this Mm -hmm. has been a standard operating procedure, the complete Mm -hmm. banning of and dissolution of political parties, which to most of us would seem rather heavy-handed. In the past, two of Taksim's parties were banned, and all the party executive members, sort of people on the sort of managing committee of the party were given five-year bans from holding political office. But for this new round, after the new constitution that came out in 2017, the length of political banning was increased, doubled, in fact. So now Tanaton and the other leaders of the party are banned from holding any political position for 10 years. And, you know, the proximate reason for their ban was all to do with loans. They didn't have enough money to fund this party. And of course, most Thai parties are funded by dodgy money, which is not accounted for and is mostly in cash and is dished out at election times. And the leading figures in the parties are basically money bags, characters who carry cash around and get things done with that money. And Future Forward wanted to be much more transparent. So, although Tanatorn has a lot of money and he could clearly have done things differently, he decided that what he wanted to do was to loan money to the party in a very transparent way, and he published information about this money that was being loaned to the party. Now, the party law in Thailand doesn't say anything about loans. It only talks about donations. Despite the fact that the party law doesn't make it illegal to make a loan, as far as you could see, the Constitutional Court decided that, in effect, Tanatorn's two large, all of them very large, loans to the parties were de facto donations and on that basis, they were of an excessive size, again, despite the fact that the size of the donation is not really specified anywhere in the law. And for that reason, Future Forward was banned. The interesting thing is, a large number of other Thai political parties were recently exonerated, despite the fact that they have also received significant loans from other sources. Future Forward is the only party that's been penalized in this way for taking a loan from someone, in this case, the party leader. So Future Forward's eagerness to embrace a new kind of transparency and to tell everybody about the loans that they were made by their party leadership, as opposed to not tell everybody about the black plastic sacks full of Thousand baht bills, which have been dumped in the uh, storerooms of the party uh, vote canvases, was their undoing by admitting that they'd had these loans and being upfront about them. Uh, this formed the basis of the legal case. But interestingly, most of the well-known professors of Tamasat University Law Faculty, which is a very conservative law faculty from which a lot of Thai judges graduate issued a statement. I think 38 of them signed this statement saying that there was no legal basis to the constitutional court's reasoning. And this is fairly extraordinary because most of those law professors, some of whom I know personally, have absolutely no sympathy for the future forward party. They're completely at the other end of the political spectrum, but they couldn't believe that anybody could concoct such a ridiculous legal argument as the so-called legal argument that was presented by the constitutional court. Yes, this is where my previous project about politics and justice kind of meets the the future forward project. The case was a nonsense. It was a piece of legal nonsense. Uh, Almost everybody agrees about that. I've only interviewed one person who claims that there was any uh, kind of logic and sensibility to this case.
1: Is Tanatan or any of the other leaders are they safe? Are they under arrest? Are they at risk of being disappeared or anything like that? Can they just turn around and organize another party under another name?
0: Right. So this is the part two and part three and part four of the whole thing. So they have organized another party. So this is where Thai politics is quite strange. On the one hand, The Constitutional Court has these draconian powers to ban parties, and it does it all the time. And there was another party that was banned last year in the middle of the election. So this is regularly done. But at the same time, the implicit understanding is that after your party's banned, you are allowed to open a new party with all the same people in it, other than those who were not on the list of executive members. So Future Forward relaunched as a new party called Move Forward, which now has 54 MPs in Parliament, all of whom were previously future forward MPs. Of those who disappeared between 81 and 54, there's a bit of a gap. Some of those are the people who were banned, but others are people who actually defected to rival political parties in the government coalition. And... You know, I don't want to commit any legal transgressions here, but uh, you know, there are many rumors of financial incentives for politicians who wish to defect from one party to another in the Thai context. So we can guess at what happened to some of those people. But we now have a residual party called Move Forward, which contains many of the same people in the original Future Forward and is continuing to behave in much the same way. Officially, Tanatorn is not allowed to communicate with that party in any way and have any continuing involvement in it. The Secretary General of the party is one of Tanatorn's best friends. So we don't know what kind of communication they still have, but we have to assume that if they're not actually communicating, they're very much on the same page. Then the other thing that Tanatorn and the leaders did was create a new organisation, which is not a political party, which they call the Progressive Movement. So they have turned themselves from a party into a movement. And I think this was a kind of tension within Future Forward from the beginning. Did they want to be a political party or did they want to be a movement that would operate outside parliament. As a political party, you could see them as reformers who were trying to change the system, but as a movement, you could see them as disruptors who were really trying to disrupt the narratives and change people's way of understanding what was going on in Thailand politically. And I think in some ways, the agenda of the progressive movement is what's come to the fore. Interestingly though, Tanatorn and the other leaders of the progressive movement aren't at the forefront of the current student protests, even if The current student protests in some ways seem to echo and then continue some of the themes of the progressive movement. But the other thing the progressive movement is doing is running political candidates in local elections, because if you run in local elections in Thailand, you're not affiliated with a political party. So the progressive movement has actually put up candidates for provincial administrative organization elections in a large number of provinces around Thailand. So they're in fact on the campaign trail now. They're banned from politics, but they're engaging in politics of a different kind.
1: Duncan, you just mentioned the demonstrations, and I was thinking to ask about that. So moving from the future forward party and the movement to a more sort of macro or system level perspective on what's happening, I guess I have part one of my question is what's mm-hmm. driving this move? What, what is the movement really? Is it, We think right. of it as a youth movement. I think mm-hmm. of it as an urban youth movement. Is that right? What's driving it? And then I want to know how much of a threat this movement, or whether the demonstrations or the progressive movement that Tanatan and his people are doing, or, you know, what's happening, how much of a threat is it to number one to the Prayut government? number two to the monarchy, number three to Toxin's movement. Or is that already, Mm. is that dead? Or are they kind of replacing that movement as the progressive wing of Thai politics so that Toxin is kind of finished because he's been sort of superseded by something that's more modern? What's very interesting about these, the protests actually began initially
0: the day after the banning of Future Forward. So Future Forward's banned on the 21st of February, on the 22nd of February, Protests begin to break out on university campuses and most interestingly, high school campuses, which do initially seem to be triggered by this banning of Future Forward, and as we've said, it it seems like a very high proportion of first-time voters did support the Future Forward Party, and there's a feeling on their part that by banning the Future Forward Party, their representation had been taken away. We knew that the Future Forward was not in the government, it was an opposition party, But in many ways, it was performing, it seems to me, for the military and for the ruling elite in Thailand, quite a useful function because they could say, well, look, you may not be in power now, but you're in parliament. You're saying all these things that we don't like. And, you know, we have to listen to them a bit and make some kind of acknowledgement of them. So, you know, we found a way in which your views can be represented. We're going to continue running things more or less as we are, but you can say these obnoxious things about us and we're not going to stop you. Once you've banned the party then people no longer have a voice in the conventional political system. I think that's a big part of what's gone on here. So what is this all about in relation to the existing polarizations and contestations? I think the generational thing comes out very, very strongly from these protests. It's not entirely young people who are protesting now, because there are other people who joined them and other people who share the same ideas. But one of the most interesting conversations I had during all the research about Future Forward was my very first visit to the Future Forward party when I met the then leader of the new generation wing of Future Forward, who's this extremely articulate and animated 25 year old woman called Nana, who was a board game designer and uh, has all kinds of interesting uh, talents and, and skills. She's a very, very interesting person. But she explained to me that Future Forward was actually established to oppose hierarchy and what she calls seniorityism. She said that the core of what Future Forward was about was overturning deference and basically telling older people to get stuffed. That was the point of the party. The following year we had Tanaton at a public event at LSE, and I quoted these exact Thai words back to him in public and asked him if it was true that Future Forward was established to oppose hierarchies and seniority. And he didn't really seem to relate to that idea very well. Interestingly, Nana, the woman who proposed this idea, herself quit the Future Forward Party early on and has since denounced the party as a patriarchy and um, said that it was actually being dominated by this small clique of leaders who didn't really want to hear the obnoxious voices of people like her. So in the Future Forward Party, there's a kind of miniature version of the national politics which then starts to play out in 2020. So although Tanator may be progressive, you can also from the point of view of these younger people, say that he's now started to become a more conservative figure in his own right. So yeah, you've got taxon starting off criticizing the military and opening up some of these issues. Then you've got future forward coming along and saying we have to take on this agenda in a different way for a new generation and to be more challenging in certain respects and you know, really question a lot of assumptions about the existing system. And then you have these young people, including high school students, who are saying, we don't really need people like Tanaton anymore. This guy's over 40. He's basically ancient. He's not representing us. There was a point where back in August and early September, the students wouldn't allow anybody over 23 on the stage. What we've seen with the high school protests and things is high school students challenging their teachers and standing up in history lessons and saying, how can you tell us these lies about history? We know that these Thai kings weren't that great. Or we know that on the 6th of October, 1976, these things happened and we have just read it on our phones and we read this stuff in English and we got it from the internet. And what do you know? Do you know more than us? Why are you standing there teaching us when we know more than you do? You're just telling us a pack of government lies. And so teachers in school people in positions of seniority who are used to deference in Thai society have been finding that deference disappearing over the past few months in an alarming way, a way that they've found incredibly disconcerting and don't really know how to process. It's an extraordinary phenomenon, especially in the context of, for those of you who don't know so much about the Thai language, but this is similar with a number of other Asian languages, you can't address somebody in Thai without knowing whether they're older or younger than you seniority and age is deeply embedded into every social interaction and you've got kids who are basically saying we can't be doing with this anymore we're fed up of it we're not listening to you you don't know any more than we do actually we know more than you do and when that rolls on beyond you know rebellions against high school uniform and the right of teachers to tell students to get their hair cut and things like that to challenging the political system the military and then into the really big stuff about monarchy and so on basically all the assumptions that have held thai society together in a certain kind of way in previous decades are now being overturned
1: as you talk about this i'm trying to think of any example of any movement against deference as such mm. or against right. seniority as such in of course teenagers in the family would then take that position but to right have a national political movement, which is simply, I suppose, one might think of the May 4th movement in China as something mm-hmm. that was against all of Confucian culture, something yes. of that kind. But that was also a nationalist move. I just can't think of anything that ever happened that was like this. And now you're saying, and so is there something like this? I'm really scratching my head quite literally here to try to think, what is this an example of? Or is it generous and something rather new?
0: Yeah, it is in many ways rather new. The whole ideological package that goes with it is hard to find an exact parallel for, and that's what makes it so interesting but i think if we look at hong kong if we look at this milk tea alliance which i think many people watching this may be familiar with the idea of a a virtual identity shared by people who are resisting chinese authoritarian domination as they see it in the asia pacific region these are examples of a similar kind of phenomenon and what you know my interlocutors in the future forward party in the early days tried to persuade me was that digital natives, people who really grew up online, as opposed to people like me who started off by reading books and at a certain point in my adult life tried to migrate unsuccessfully to online activity. So I'm always going to be a digital immigrant. Mm -hmm. That actually people under 25, it's almost as though their brains are processing information, ideas, and notions of respect, deference and authority and knowledge differently because of this different way that they have grown up understanding things. And this is a a kind of a hypothesis at the core of this, which I have not yet explored, but this is the kind of idea I think is incredibly interesting.
1: My big question was the threat that this poses to the current government, to the monarchy, to the toxin movement. Are they squeezing out the toxin party? Are they going to overthrow Priyut? And I suppose to make the (laughs) question even more Complicated. We know that the government is trying to suppress these protests, yes. partly with water cannons, as I right. remember, and partly with les majesté prosecutors. Yes. Can we expect a sort of ten Tiananmen type bloodbath to take place potentially, or would Priyut retire? Or you know, what's what does the future hold? We too easy I, to answer. I
0: know. <laughs> what kind of threat is this? I think it's a very very fundamental threat. If you believe that it is what I'm suggesting it might be. I mean, if you think this is a movement of people who are not happy with the present government or even, you know, would like to see certain kinds of reforms of the constitution or even reforms of the monarchy and so on, then maybe it's a threat that's manageable. But if you actually believe that got a generation of people whose brains are different and they don't really accept the essential way in which society is ordered and notions of deference and hierarchy, which are governing everything about Thailand, then it's very, very threatening to the people who are running the country because it's you can't really assuage these people and over time there'll be more and more of them. So even if you manage to suppress them now with water cannon or whatever, Les magistrate charges or any other mechanisms, sooner or later, these people are going to do you in because you're going to be dead and they're going to take over. So it's just, you're just holding back, you know, just holding back this force, which you might be able to do for five or 10 years. But if digital natives really are what they might be, then all these elites are gone. It's just a matter of when, is how long they can hang on. So a really, really threatening situation. And yes, it's threatening to everybody. And it's threatening to the pro side, which has seen itself as being the legitimate voice of people in the regions and people who are more disadvantaged and marginalized and the red shirt movement because they don't really know where to put themselves. The military successfully suppressed the red shirt movement in the coup of 2014. And despite all these claims that it was going to come back and and be an important force again, it just hasn't happened. The red shirt movement insofar as it exists is now to a large extent becoming engaged by these protests and some elements of the red shirt movement are sort of independently joining the student protesters, but this is all very awkward for Taksin because the red shirt movement was very much a movement about supporting him and supporting Yingluck and the student movement is not about supporting him or Yingluck or Tanatorn or anybody else. And it's also, this is where the Hong Kong parallel is very interesting, deliberately designed to be leaderless. All the main figures in the movement that we saw in the first a few weeks or so have been pretty much arrested. Some of them have been bailed out again. But the movement has demonstrated that it has a flexibility and a capacity to resist the arrest of its leaders and to reinvent itself in new ways that the authorities don't really understand how to handle. So they've tried all kinds of things. Legal charges, the water cannon. There was a big backlash against the water cannon well, we thought they probably wouldn't do that again for a while. They have done it again. They don't know what to do. With these students and the other problem is there aren't any leaders that you can negotiate with how would you get them to stop protesting and their demands are kind of incoherent as well they're talking about constitutional reform and resignation of the prime minister and dissolution of parliament and all this stuff but how is that going to change things in a very fundamental way Because in many ways, their goals are more at the disruption than the reform end. The most radical of the student groups have, in many ways, been the ones driving much of the agenda. So it's complicated.
1: At the end of this conversation, I find myself feeling pretty pessimistic.
0: Right. Look. I agree that I don't see exactly how you could easily implement the kind of aspirations that, first of all, the Future Forward Party and now the progressive, whatever you want to call them, youth and student movement and their allies are advancing, how that could really happen. But at the same time, I think the idea that you could just suppress them and they would go away is equally problematic because Thailand is not China. It has this much more open society. It has a different kind of political tradition. It's very engaged with the world. I don't think that people will just go quiet in the way that the authorities might want them to. It's much, much more difficult to manage. It's a much more complicated place than somewhere like Hong Kong.
1: Duncan, I thank you so much. I mean, you're really the uniquely qualified person to inform us about all these things in great depth. And I'm happy that you could end the conversation with a note of optimism that uh, to leaven my pessimism and to tell me that thailand is not china that's good so on behalf of all of our listeners i just want to thank you very much
0: thanks so much andy this has been great you have been listening to the
1: nordic asia podcast